0: Uh, Isaiah 9, 6, we had a great first service, and we're thankful for you being here uh, today. And I know this passage will be a help to you because we've been studying who Jesus is. He is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. Next week, we're going to talk about the everlasting Father. Today, we're going to talk about the mighty God. Let's go ahead and read this. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6 says, For unto us a child is born... Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon the kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment, with justice, from hence, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this." Now, we haven't, we've we've been taking bite, bites and pieces of this verse throughout the last couple of weeks. Today we're going to talk about mighty God and we're going to break down what that means and uh, and I think it'll be a blessing. But let's, uh, if, if you need a clean pen or, or a handout, uh, we'll make sure to get it to you. Uh, but while they're passing those out, I want to go ahead and pray. Ask the Lord to be with us in our study today. God, uh, thank you for your word. Thank you for how uh, it is so practical and useful. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to give us peace. Thank you for being the Prince of Peace. Would you speak to our hearts? Use this today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, there are a lot of things about the Christmas story that don't seem very peaceful to me. Uh, Mary and Joseph on a donkey while she's pregnant and and uh, the, the the Roman guards, and and uh, there's lots of stuff surrounding the birth of Christ, even when you think about the nativity scene. I mean, uh, animals, not very peaceful. Uh, the, 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 the night of Jesus' birth, uh, there's, there's interruptions, there's disappointments, um, there's pain, there's suffering, all within the context of Jesus' birth. And Jesus was prophesied to come, and he was prophesied to be the prince of peace. I want to take two scriptures that seem like they completely contradict one another, and I want you to see exactly what this is saying for us today. For instance, Luke chapter 2, it's in your notes, Luke chapter 2, we're on the screen, and verse number 12 says, And this shall be a sign to you, so this is the angel talking to the shepherds. This shall be a sign to you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, it's like a, uh, not a wooden manger. It would have been a stone uh, feeding trough. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill unto men. Now think about that promise that Jesus was going to bring peace and goodwill to men. And then think about what Jesus said In Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 34, Jesus is speaking, and he says, think not that I have come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. (laughs) So so wait a second. Were the angels telling the truth, or was Jesus telling the truth? Angels said he was going to bring peace, and Jesus seems to be saying he's bringing a sword, not peace. Well, here's what I want you to get. And by the end of today, when we go through this passage, I think you're going to get it. That there are two comings of Jesus Christ. And Christmas is celebrating the first coming. So Jesus came and he brought peace with him. Now that is peace within our hearts. That is peace with God. That is a relationship with God that we can have now that Jesus came. The second time Jesus comes, and by the way, the Bible's so clear, Jesus is going to come again. And when he comes again, he's going to bring total peace. He's going to be, bring total peace, but first he's going to win. You say, win over what? Well, Jesus brought us peace to win the war within. And here's a key thought. But one day, Jesus will come and he will do war and win against what is robbing all of us of our peace. He will win against sin and the forces of evil, and he will make all peace possible. So inner peace is possible, but outer peace and peace among the nations, the lion will sit next to the lamb, everyone will be getting along, right? That will will not happen until Jesus comes and sits on David's throne. And we'll get there at the end, but I wanna tell you, how Jesus came to Bethlehem to be born. Jesus was was in his uh, mother's womb, okay, by a miraculous uh, occurrence by the Holy Ghost conceiving uh, in the womb of Mary. So Mary is carrying the Son of God in her womb. She is carrying him. And she is on a donkey, most likely a Cypress donkey. I think we have a picture. It's a Cypress donkey. So here she is. She's, she's literally riding on one of these donkeys, right? And, 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 and he's coming into Bethlehem, the house of bread. Jesus would live a life, and at the age of 33, he would ride, a, I believe, a Cypress donkey, but he would ride a donkey that had never been ridden before, into Jerusalem, and they would say, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, right? You guys remember that? So he's riding in, and then a few days later, he's crucified. But the significance of riding into Jerusalem and into uh, a suburb of Jerusalem, Bethlehem, the significance of riding on a donkey is when a king or when a ruler would ride a donkey into a village or into a city, they would be signifying, "I'm not coming to bring war, I'm coming to make peace." In fact, even in during the Byzantine period, this was practiced when um, when the uh, medieval uh, kings and 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 rulers, when they would ride up to a castle, the the ruler, if he wanted to make peace, the way he would send that signal, because they didn't have cell phones and, and things is he would come riding on a donkey. He comes riding on a horse, he's ready to do war. Riding on a donkey, he's coming to bring peace. Isn't that interesting? So now you have the mother of Jesus bringing him into Bethlehem on a donkey to make peace. He's bringing peace. Now he's coming into Jerusalem at the age of 33. What is he doing? He's riding on a donkey. He's coming to bring peace. So we are in an age of peace, and I believe from this passage, uh, there are three really, really important and helpful questions that we can ask based on some of the th- phrases we haven't covered yet, <clears throat> and uh, there are questions I hope you ask yourself. I've asked myself these questions. I hope you'll ask yourself these questions as well. First of all, what is my capacity for peace? Secondly, uh, what is my source of peace? Like, What do I, what do I derive peace from? What should my source of peace be? And then thirdly, how can I have lasting peace? How can I have peace that that just transcends everything that's happening around me? Number one, let's look at it, your capacity for peace. What is your capacity for peace? How much peace did Jesus make possible for you? He says, for unto us a child is born. How, how is a child being born helping your peace? Well, he goes on and he says a statement that a I find very odd to be added to a baby being born. But when he says, hey, this baby's going to be born, uh, of course he's talking about Jesus, but then he says, and the government, the Mishra'ah, okay, the, the ruling, the controlling, is going to be on his shechem, his shoulder. So so why would it say, hey, a baby's going to be born, and this Mishra'ah, this government, is actually going to be He's going to bury it on his shoulder. Why is that significant? Like, why would, of all the things the Holy Spirit would tell Isaiah to write about Jesus coming, why would the government being on his shoulder be such a significant thing to add? Well, this is an important thing to to note because there was a lot of different aspects of people trying to control Israel. You had the Assyrians trying to control Israel. You had... um, the, uh, the Babylonians before that trying to control Israel. Then you had the Romans during Jesus' time trying to control Israel. Everyone was trying to control a little bit of the pie, right? Everyone wanted to have a little bit of the control. And what Isaiah was saying, one day Jesus is going to come and he's going to have full control. He's going to take all the control Upon his shoulder. He's gonna take the burden for everyone on his shoulder. Now, trying to, trying to do that, trying, trying to, to, to take everyone's burden, take, everyone, uh, take control for, for all the rights and wrongs upon your shoulder would crush you. In fact, even if we take control for things that we shouldn't take control of in this life, it starts to, to wear us down. You you know this because we've all encountered maybe a boss or 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 someone uh, in authority, maybe a teacher or a principal or someone who who is overbearing, someone who stressed us out. And we have a picture of a boss, an overbearing boss. He's 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 stressing you out, right? He's 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 coming down hard. He's trying to control everything, right? Uh, we've 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 no doubt, I'm sure, uh, encountered parents. Uh, I'm sure there's no parents here like this, but but parents who are what we call helicopter parents. They want to control every aspect of their kids' life. That's not possible. It's not healthy. Not for the kids, not for the parents. And so there's an element where it's dangerous to play God and control everything, pr- pretend like we can control everything. That's where we lose our peace. And it's exhausting to take on your shoulders the things that you were never meant to control, the things you were never meant to bear on your shechem, on your shoulders. Now, how do we know that it's exhausting? Well, I'm going word by word, verse by verse through this passage, and I want you to notice something. I want you to notice the fact that when it says, and the government, the Mishrayah, shall be, the, the shall be upon is one word, it's haya, it's very close to the word kaya, and we've studied kaya because that means new life in Hebrew. It means new beginnings, right? Kaya. So haya is the opposite of that. It is to zap life from you. Have you ever met someone and, and you saw them coming and you're like, oh, my word. Every time I encounter them, they just zap the life right out of me. Listen, there are some people like that. But, but this is saying Jesus is going to come and he is going to take the burden, he's going to take the, 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 the stress, the pressure, and he's going to place it on his shoulder, his shechem. And, and the shoulder here is, is mentioned as the upper part of the back, the, the, the part that, that is best suited for carrying things. Literally, this passage is saying, Jesus is going to come and he's going to carry the things that no world leader could ever carry. He's going to carry burdens that no other human could possibly try to carry. He's going to carry the sin burden. He's going to carry the burden of family. He's going to carry the burden of disappointment. He's going to carry the burden of of lost time. He's going to carry the burden of guilt. He's going to carry the burden of shame. Jesus came to carry burdens. And that's why in 1 Peter 5 7, it says, Casting all of your care, all of your anxiety, all of your pressure, casting all of that on whom? Jesus. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now, I want to pause and just tell you something because I'm not a doctor or a psychologist, but I, I do want to tell you something that as a pastor, I've noticed uh, over the course of the last nine months, I have noticed a wave of anxiety that has come over, not just our community, but our nation, uh, has come over people around me who I love. And I want to I just pause and say that Jesus came to carry some burdens that over the last few months, we've tried to shoulder. And I want to ask you something. I've been asking myself, what am I carrying that Jesus died to carry? What are you carrying that, that Jesus died to carry? What are, what are you carrying you were never meant to carry? And so over the past few weeks as I've been studying for this, I, I, I pulled up some of, my, some of my studies from graduate school when I, I, I have a graduate degree in psychology. And I, I started looking through some of those studies. And I remember reading one from Oregon, uh, Oregon State University, um, Caroline uh, Advin, she said that she she studied this uh this group of men all different ages 1300 men and she watched them for for over 14 years and and she noted uh you know big moments in their lives and and she kept in touch with them and 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 she's in charge of the uh, uh the, a a specific group of researchers at the University of uh, Oregon State and they specifically talk about um the the aging process in fact it's the center for healthy aging and research and she she noted that the men who decided to carry and try to control the narrative in their lives and 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 they carried a lot of stress they reduced their 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 life expectancy by 30% in fact Uh, The Miami Herald recently actually picked up this study and ran with it and and went and did some research from the CDC on 2020. And they noted that all of the top six causes for death, heart disease and, and other things, all of those are linked to stress. In fact, the Miami Herald uh, came out just a few weeks ago and said that the number one reason for doctor visits in 2020 is not COVID, it's anxiety. And so I just want you to know that the Prince of Peace is wanting to give you peace, and that peace is not just something that's optional. It's something that you have to have in order to have uh, physical health, in order to have emotional health, in order to have spiritual health, uh, in order to have relational health. You have to have this piece that he's offering, and it's actually paramount. It's something that we cannot ignore, and we believe, and researchers believe, that, that, that over a million people have died from anxiety this year, and, and that's on top of everything that's happened with the pandemic. There's a wave of anxiety, and I'm telling you, it's not healthy, and as a pastor, I just want to give you a practical action item, Okay. And some of you are going to think this is a joke, but it's not a joke. And Here's the action item. It's in your notes. and It'll be on the screen. Don't watch the news. Glance at the news, <laughs> but listen, don't sit down for hours at a time and watch the news. It will cause any normal person to have anxiety. You know what I had to do? I had to set a timer on my phone so that I would get the news, but not, I wouldn't let the news get me. <laughs> My, my, my phone shuts it off. I I can't, I literally, literally there's a time limit for my, for my news. Why? Because it stresses me out. And so glance at the news, but let me encourage you what to do. And here's the action item. Watch God's word at work in your life. You want to watch something? You want to really focus on something? You you want to really get into into looking at something? Watch God's word being lived out in your life. Man, I'm telling you, it will encourage you like nothing else. And so the increase, verse 7, the increase of his government and of his peace, there is no end. So there's no limit to his peace, but there is a limit to ours. So this is not going to sound encouraging, but it is. We have zero capacity. What's your capacity for peace? Zero. We have zero capacity for peace. But guess what he's offering? He's offering his capacity to be your capacity. He says, I am going to come, and I am going to give you a capacity you can't have, and it's a capacity to have peace and to be at peace that did not exist before I showed up. Now, let me, let me tell you why this is so important. I didn't have time to go into it last week, but I want to take a minute today and tell you that the problem in our society is not pressure. COVID has caused more pressure, has caused more uh, complexity, but pressure was never the problem. The pressure that COVID has caused has just revealed the problem. And so here's a key thought. Pressure is not the problem. Pressure is what's provided so that we know what the problem is. So so let me uh, illustrate this, okay? And, 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 and the only way I know how, and that is uh, just kind of with a physical, uh, tangible item. This is uh, the front tire of Chandler's bike. A few weeks ago, he was riding, and, 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 he, and he popped this tire. Like any good... Uh, Dad, I, 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 I endeavored to fix it, and I put some fix-it flat. Like, I, I literally went out to the, to the trunk of my car, you know, and just in case you get a, you know, a low tire or whatever, and I, you know, I put some fix-it flat, and it worked for a few hours. But then after he rode it a while, it went flat again, and he's like, Dad, it's still flat. We need, to, we need to get a new inner tube. And I'm like, well, let's just put some more fix-it flat. So put some more fix-it flat in there, work for a couple hours. And then, but finally... I took the, the the actual tread off and I realized oh there's a hole in there. And so I mean the, the hole was big enough to where that fix it flat is <laughs> not going to fix it, okay? So it's kind of poor advertising, you know? It doesn't really fix any flat, okay? So so but but no matter how much no matter how much air I try to put in this tire, no matter how much I try no matter how much effort I put into trying to put air in this tire, it won't hold it. Why? Because it can't handle the pressure. There's been a rupture. There's been, it's broken. Now, let me tell you something that's going to seem really discouraging, and that but it's not. None of us can handle the pressure. None of us were meant to handle the pressure of life on our own. We are all broken people. We all have a Massive flaw, it's called sin. And Jesus came not as our fix it flat, He came as our replacement to say, I want to be your righteousness. I want to be your peace for you. I don't want to give you a false sense of peace like the world does, which we'll talk about next week. I want to be your peace. So, now with that in mind, I want you to look in your notes. I want you to see a verse that if you've never memorized and, and, and any teenagers, man, I would, I would encourage you, put this to memory. This is so good. Psalm 29.9 says this, or Psalm 29.11 says this. The Lord will give strength unto his people and the Lord will bless his people with peace. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Do you see that? He gives strength and he gives peace. So what is our capacity for peace? Our capacity for peace when we're relying on him is his capacity. What is our source for peace? Well, he is our source for pe- Source of peace. What does that mean? Let's study now the mighty God, the mighty God. So number two, <clears throat> what is your source for peace? What is your source for peace? Now, the, the, the word mighty is the word Gabor. means like undefeated champion. Um, you know, a great hero is, is how they would use that Gabor. Uh, a, a valiant warrior. But the word for God in the Old Testament is El. Okay, El Elyon. Okay, El Shaddai. Okay, so, so El is... Is is an awesome one, a a, a an all strength, all powerful one, a mighty one. Okay, so so you, so you have kind of a double, you know, mighty mighty. So mighty God, mighty. Okay, is is kind of how it, it translates, but but it's specifically talking about a mighty king. Now now the reason why it's important to to reference the fact that that the word mighty actually refers to a king or or a warrior-type king, is because in verse number seven, when it says of the increase of his government, should peace, it, it then says after that, and upon the throne of David, his kingdom shall be established. So it's upon the throne of David that all of this is going to come. So Jesus brought inner peace, but one day he's going to bring world peace from the throne of David. And you say, well, I mean, who's sitting on the throne of David right now? No one, right? I mean, they they have a prime minister, but they don't have a king. So Jesus will be the next king in Israel, and he will sit there and rule and reign. And by the way, if, if you're one of his followers, you'll rule and reign with him, which is a great thing. So that's the second coming. But I think it's interesting that he references David, and I think it's interesting that he references the fact that this power is gonna be unmatched Because it's the power to bring peace. Now the word increase is the word rab. It means uh, to enlarge or to create space for. Um, And the word throne, when he's sitting on the throne of David, is the word keis. It means to place honor. It's a seat of power. So this is all talking about power. And here's a key thought. And that is our source for peace is determined by where we are looking. By where we are looking. You say, I don't know what my source of peace is. Well, where are you looking? What are, you, what are you looking to, to receive peace? How, where do you think? You know, I have people say, well, I mean, if I lived in Hawaii, I would be at peace all the time. You know, peace isn't a place. You know, there's even problems in paradise. You know, people say, well, if I had enough money, I'd be at peace. You know what, you know what money does? M- money just, money is, a, is the great magnifier. M- money just makes whatever is there, there, you have more of. So if you have problems right now, guess what happens when you have more money? You just have more problems. You just have bigger problems, okay? You say, well, I just wish I had more time. If I had more time, I'd have peace. Well, well, listen, peace is not something that we get by trying. It is something that we receive by looking to the one who promised to give it to us, the one who made us. Now, let me illustrate this. By telling you the story of David and Goliath, if you've never heard the story of David and Goliath, there's a nine-foot giant. David's most likely 15, about around 15 years old, and he's sent uh, by his father Jesse uh, from the the farm where he was, t- you know, tending to the flock, the sheep. He was sent about 100 miles uh, to give food and and um and and new clothing and 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 supplies to his brethren and. The people who are fighting against the Philistine army. Now I put in your notes and we'll have on the screen 1 Samuel 17, 22, because when Jesus when David shows up to the army, he 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 runs into the army and, and he came and he saluted his brethren. The word saluted literally means he shalomed them. So he he literally asked them, How's your peace? Like, how are you? Are you well? Right? So it's interesting that he uses the word shalom, which was kind of a greeting. But in verse number 26, okay, he's hearing this Philistine, this massive giant. He's over nine feet tall. This is a big guy. And Goliath is, is, you know, defying their God and and, and just kind of going, you know, like, like taunting them. Verse 26, it says that David spake unto the men, that stood by him saying, what shall be done to the man that, that, that killeth this Philistine, that take away the reproach from Israel? Then he says, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Whoa. Okay, David, that was an interesting little tidbit that you just want to just slide right in there. They're looking at his muscles. They're looking at his weapons. They're looking at the damage that he could do what is David looking at? David's looking at the fact that he's uncircumcised. Now, instead of getting into all of what that means, okay, I want to focus on the fact that it, it, in the Bible, uncircumcision means you did not have the power of God. Circumcision was the, the covenant that was made with Abraham, that we just studied Abraham. It was the covenant that was made with Abraham that says, I will be with you. I will be with your family. And God even told Abraham that the the circumcision would be a sign that you would win in battle. So David's saying, guys, why are we living in fear? Why are we in anxiety? Because my God is the same God of Abraham who said, if you're going up against someone who doesn't believe in me, if you're going up against someone who is uncircumcised, they don't stand a chance. So David had the same eyes as everyone else, but he had the, a different vision. He saw that God was on their side. And he says this in the last part of verse 26 For who is this uncircumcised uh, Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David reminded the, the army of Israel that day who they were serving, who they were fighting on behalf of. They were fighting On behalf of God, they were fighting on behalf of the living God. So where are we looking for our peace? David found peace in the midst of a battle by looking at the promise and the covenant of God. And peace is made possible Based on who is on the throne of our heart, who are we looking toward for our peace? Who are we trying to derive our peace from? You see, uh, Jesus said in John chapter uh, sixteen and verse thirty-three, He says, "In me uh, you you will have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world." Man, that's a great verse because Jesus is that one that can overcome. You say, well, the problem, the reason why I don't have peace is because I just can't get enough done. <laughs> and I want you to know, man, I, I think I was 26 or, or 27, and I, and I realized it, something that, that just kind of hit me. I would go to bed with a pit in the, in the bottom of my stomach thinking, man, there's so much I didn't get done today. And I would think, man, God, you wanted me to get this stuff done, and I just couldn't. Yeah, I want to tell you that this action item is near and dear to my heart because it's something that the Lord has used to give me much peace. And it is write a list of things that you're worried about. And, And that might seem counterintuitive, but write that list and then write a list of what you can do in a responsible amount of time. And whatever you can't get done in a responsible amount of time, give the rest to the Lord. Give the rest to the Lord. You, you, you can't hold on to something that he didn't give you time to do. You can't wear on your shoulders. You can't bear the weight of something he has not given you the time, energy, or effort to get done. And I, I, this happens every single day of my life. I, I do what God wants me to do. And at the end of the day, I say, God, there are a lot of things on here. There are a lot of people. There are a lot of things that I could have done that I, that I wanted to do but I did what I thought you wanted me to do, and I have to leave the rest to you. And there might be someone who's disappointed because I wasn't able to get to it, or, or, or someone wasn't able to be helped, or there's something that I really, really wanted to get done, but I have to leave the rest to the Lord. And, and many times, at the end of the day, it's good for us just to say, hey, care? am I carrying my own burdens, or, or am I putting my burdens on God's shoulders? Who, and what, who or what am I, am I focused on? What, where am I trying to get peace? And, and, who, and that really is involved with who am I following? Who am I looking to as the one who's the author and the, and the finisher of my faith? And that leads us to the last one. So what is your capacity for peace? What is your source for peace? Let's, let's, let's finally look at this, and we'll be done in a couple minutes. And that is, how can you have, how can I have lasting peace? Lasting peace. Well, you know, next week we're going to talk about the world's peace. It, it's it's from the outside in. That never works. Lasting peace, it's from the inside out. Lasting peace is from the inside out. Now I've been waiting to go over this, but I will tell you that one of the most encouraging things. Why didn't why didn't you know when 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 the 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 scrolls were written? And Isaiah was pinning down Prince of Peace. Why not call him the King of Peace? Well, because the word Prince it literally means chief overall, uh, a, one who's in charge, a leader of leaders, one who oversees everything. It's this all encompassing, like, like the Prince of Peace. He is in charge of peace, he is the leader of peace, he is the giver of peace, he's the chief of peace. And so he is the mighty God, the mighty King, but he is also the Prince of Peace. And 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 he is the one we are to be following. He is the leader. He is the one that that that's going to give us our way to peace. And I want to give you a key thought, and that is is this: at the core of most anxiety, it is a choice to trust self more than God. At the core of most of our anxieties. It's right there at the intersection of whether or not we're going to trust God. See, God is a mighty God, and God will give us peace. We just have to ask ourselves, are we willing to trust his pathway to peace? Because Isaiah 26, 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, who trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord Forever. For in the Lord, Jehovah is everlasting strength. I was driving in a new area I hadn't been before, and I was on my way to a coffee shop actually, and and Google was was barking out orders and 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 it said to go up a few exits, and but I could see on the other side of the freeway that the the coffee shop that I was looking for was right on the other side, and there was a brand new exit. And so I looked at my GPS, I looked at my phone, and I looked at the exit. And then I thought, you know what? This looks new, maybe Google isn't caught up, and so I'll just take this shortcut. Sure enough, got off the exit, took a right, it's right there, saved, saved 10 minutes. I didn't have to go down two exits, turn right, turn right again. It was a blessing. And I was kind of happy. I was like, man, I, I, saved, I saved time. I, 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 I saw what it was saying, but then I, but then I saw what I was seeing, and I took the exit. And immediately, right when I, right when I had that thought, I, I, I thought of this message, and I thought of what we were talking about, and I thought, you know, that's a lot of times the reason why I don't have peace. The Reason why I don't have peace is because I think that I can look at what God says, and I can compare it to what I'm seeing, and what I'm seeing, I think trumps or or adds to what God is saying. And it never works that way. Let me tell you, there's no shortcut to the pathway of peace. There's no new way to peace. It's always been the same. And so you might say, well, I know that's what the Bible says. I know that's that he's the mighty God. I know that he's able to, 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 to carry my burdens. I know that he's able to help me if I just trust him. But, but I mean, if you really knew who my relatives were, If you really knew the burdens that I actually had, I know what you're saying, but I mean, look at what I'm seeing. And God says, no, you have to trust it. Regardless of what what you are seeing, you have to trust what he's saying. And so here's a takeaway uh, as we close, and it is this, that our mindset is ours to set. Every person here, under the sound of my voice, watching online or on the radio, you are, are in charge of setting your mindset. God has given you the choice to set your mindset. So let's set our minds on the mighty God. Set our minds on, on things that are above. Let's set our minds on the mighty God as our source for lasting peace. Our source for lasting peace. He is our source. If we're trusting him, if we're watching the word throughout our lives, if we're we're allowing his word to be our guide, you see, fear comes when we believe our feelings and we believe what our feelings are saying more than we believe what his word is saying. That's when fear comes. But faith comes when we believe what he has already said regardless of what we're seeing. Let me tell you, there's a lot of people around us, they're just waiting for the next shoe in 2020 to drop, they're just waiting for the next bad thing to happen. And I want you to know, you can either be waiting for the next bad thing to happen, or you can be waiting for the next good thing to be happening. You can say, "God, I'm re- I'm ready and willing. I- I'm looking forward to 2021, but I'm going to still redeem 2020. I'm going to let you bring peace in the midst of my storm. I'm going to let you be the mighty God of my circumstances. I'm going to let you carry the burden that I've been carrying." Friend, if you're watching online or you're here and you do, you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I would encourage you to receive the Prince of Peace. He makes it possible for you to have peace with God and the peace to know that you are right with God. Between you and God, there is a mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. You can receive him as your Savior today if you call out to him. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.